For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to David Lombardi of The Athletic, who covers the San Francisco 49ers, about what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo and the contract situations on the roster as far as extensions to Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa if Jimmy Garoppolo remains on the roster. Tyreek Hill was traded this week and got a record contract for a wide receiver four years, $120 million from the Miami Dolphins. Is that what Debo Samuel's looking at? All things we can discuss with David Lombardi, who joins me next. Today is Friday. March 25th. Always fun when we can catch up with David Lombardi, who covers the 49ers for The Athletic, and no shortage of topics for you, David. What's going on, man? How are you? Doing great. How are you? I'm <laughs> doing pretty good. I'm, I'm just sitting around looking at the calendar, waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo to get moved, dude. Is that is that kind of the uh, the pace of the uh, the subject in, in your mind, too? Are you just kind of waiting for this thing to go down? Uh, no, because it, it's not likely to go down right now. I, I think that there are certain inflection points where it's more likely than not. And right now, unless Carolina makes some kind of crazy move at a you know juncture that we don't really expect it to, then we would just be getting really, really antsy with no reward, right? So yeah, yeah you have to kind of pace it i think at this point because the next true inflection point isn't until week one and i know it scares a lot of people and a lot of people are really emotional about this issue but that, that that's not to say that that it won't take until week one but that's when the next inflection point is so you can't be high strung between now and what september you can't be high strung for five or six months that that, that wouldn't be really good for your nervous system or for your heart. So um, <laughs> right now, the Fort Anners, you know, he has a $24.2 million base salary for the 2022 season. And it doesn't become guaranteed because he's a vested veteran until week one. So that's why I say that's the next inflection point. Now, more inflection points can and likely will show up before then. We just don't know when they're going to be. And I think as far as the quarterback market goes, the 49ers – Right now, because the market has taken some weird twists and turns that have obviously one of them being Garoppolo's surgery. But, you know, a lot of these weird twists and turns with Brady coming back with Deshaun Watson being back in the fold that have really limited Garoppolo's potential destinations. I think for another inflection point, they need that list of destinations to potential destinations to to, to grow again. And that can happen with a quarterback injury in the offseason or in training camp, you know, as stuff starts to develop. And obviously, from the 49ers' own perspective, different stuff can happen. We don't know what will will go on here over the next few months. So we know that plan A for them is to have Trey Lance be their guy in 2022 and for them to get some kind of return for Jimmy Garoppolo. But you can never say never on anything in these issues. And the 49ers, I think, while they're not tethered to any particular course of action, are happy to have two options at the quarterback position just because you can navigate the waters of the uncertain moving forward with maximum option power. Everybody's got their own thoughts or theories or philosophies on what should have happened, what the 49ers could have done and maybe didn't do. We don't really know unless you're, you're inside the building or unless you know the conversations John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have had with other organizations. When people say the 49ers maybe overplayed their hand or they kind of blew this thing, I don't really agree with that because I'm like, I don't think anybody could have foreseen the way this quarterback movement went this offseason. There, there were teams that looked like they were going to have openings that didn't have openings, players that were traded that maybe we didn't anticipate would be traded. How would you evaluate the way this thing has gone down or how this was handled? Because in my mind, it doesn't look like the 49ers really could have done anything else unless they had an offer in hand and did believe they could have gotten more. But, but I find that hard to believe. 
Well, I mean, you just look at the way that the market developed. Uh, there was one data point that indicates they might have had something decent in hand. That was Carson Wentz going to Washington for a decent return. That being said, Carson Wentz is healthy right now. He's not coming off shoulder surgery. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. But a lot of times on the trade market, you see stuff based on physical potential, right? Carson Wentz even fetched a first rounder last year after being terrible for Philadelphia there for a little while just because there was belief from Frank Reich in Indianapolis and his physical potential. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a 6'5", 230-pound specimen. You know, he's more of the underdog coming from that FCS school. I know Wentz also came from an FCS school, but like Trey Lance, he is more of a physical exception. He's not going to be that underdog type from that uh, perspective. So Garoppolo, he's going to bring you the release. He's going to bring you the leadership. He's going to bring you some of those intangibles that are probably a little bit harder to quantify on the trade market. Whereas, you know, you always see teams try to you know, teams think there's going to be at least one suitor that thinks they can get the best football out of Carson Wentz. And the latest suitor right now or the latest sucker is Washington. So last year it was Indianapolis. <laughs> this year it's it, it, it's Washington. So I, I, it's, it's apples to oranges, I think, even in that situation to compare uh, the potential trade returns. And I think the biggest wrench in all of this is the fact that no team wants uh, you know, is eager, let's put it this way, no team is overly eager to trade for a quarterback who they'll introduce at a press conference while that quarterback is wearing a sling on his throwing yeah. arm. So if there's time for those teams, you know, even if the, the, the surgery, which it is a straightforward one, even if the recovery rate is anticipated to be close to 100%, there's time for Garoppolo suitors and there's time for the 49ers. You know, people thought that it was a game of chicken with the new league year starting and initially it looked like it might be but the financial realities of the league are changing right in front of our eyes you know the revenues are skyrocketing here in the next few years are expected to with 110 billion dollars coming in for the new media deal so you're seeing it with all this crazy activity around the league teams are giving out record contracts we just saw our first 30 million dollar non-quarterback and Tyree Kill, we've seen record deals for Deshaun Watson prior to that, Aaron Rodgers. We've seen the 49ers push money into the futures through the Armstead and Kittle restructures in a way that they really haven't done before. And the theme is constant among all those moves. It's pay the bill later because it will be easy to pay later if the salary cap does explode the $300 million as it is projected to by 2027. And because of that, it's a lot more financially feasible for the 49ers to carry Jimmy Garoppolo right now because they haven't missed out on any free agent signings, even though he's on the books. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When people look at, and I saw you note this the other day, when people are looking at the contract structure of Tyreek Hill, and you had noted earlier this week that maybe Nick Bosa was the guy we thought was going to be the first $30 million player a year that was not a quarterback. We were kind of waiting for maybe those contract extensions for Debo and Bosa this offseason. Is it still possible to happen, and can you explain that to me, how that happens with Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, or does he have to be moved or cut before that can happen? Well, last year, the 49ers gave Fred Warner a record deal at the linebacker position without raising his cap hit a single cent. It was $3.6 million on his rookie deal for 2021. It remained $3.6 million for 2021. They were able to do that through awarding Warner two separate bonuses, a signing bonus that amortized over five years, and then a roster bonus 
that amortized against the cap over another five years, but didn't kick in until the following season, until 2022. And then there's a third mechanism that's even more complicated called a buyback bonus that the 49ers have to execute to keep Warner aboard a couple years down the road. Anyway, by combining those three bonuses and, and with NFL salary cap rules that let you spread the cap hit out like an accordion, you know, it's like stretching an accordion, the 49ers were able to keep Fred Warner's cap hit the same for the 2021 season. It won't be quite as easy and quite as possible with Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa, because they're set to make more money than Fred Warner, who was what, about 18 million, 17 or 18 million per year. I forgot exactly how much it was. But uh, with Debo, I would expect somewhere between 22 and 25. With Nick, I would expect somewhere around 30 million, right? That's going to be more. You're probably going to have to bump up the cap hit a little bit just because the, the mathematical realities uh, involved of, of spreading the money around like an accordion. But the bottom line is that you won't have to raise their cap hit much. And the amount of money that you'll need to free up to pay those guys this offseason is going to be way less than the 24, 25 million that you'd save by cutting Jimmy Garoppolo. In fact, you could free it up through other sustainable avenues. So they could still extend Sansom Ebucom. They could extend Jimmy Ward. There are, you know, four or five different options on this roster for the 49ers uh, to save money in a way that's not going to kill them. That's not going to shoot them in the foot in the future. So no, that's not a prerequisite for those moves. There's a limit to everything, even with the exploding salary cap. So yes, I think in an ideal world, they would like to roll that $24 million over into future years. But the good news for them is they can still roll that money over as long as they move him before week one, right? So it's not like they're facing some kind of ticking clock right now. They've got like half a year to figure this out, which is why I encourage people to, to, to not think that some kind of deadline is imminent. In terms of what Debo could get annually, it's tough to project because he's not Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, arguably the, the best receiver in football. I, you know, probably top three or four, definitely. You put him up there next to Devontae Adams and maybe Hopkins at times. Anyway, as far as Debo goes, he's a completely different player. He's a unique player. We saw what happened this year with him as the wide back out of the backfield. Is there a projection on what he could get? Do you look at him more as a wide receiver or a running back? And, and what kind of market is he going to have when they do sort of hand him that extension? Well, you have to look at him as a wide receiver because that's where he's lined up and that's where uh, most of the time and that's where the NFL and the CBA will, you know, categorize him when it comes to a potential franchise tag down the road. And the franchise tag amount is going to dictate the pillar point for negotiations in any contract. So from a contractual standpoint, you look at Debo as a wide receiver first. That's great for Debo, bad for the 49ers. And the fact that he has that running back versatility is, to me, you look at it as a cherry on top. And I'm sure that's how Tory Dandy, who's Debo Samuel's agent, is going to negotiate this. He's going to say, hey, you have to pay him like a receiver because he is one. There's no way around it. That's just the way that the, the, the rules have it. He's categorized as one. And hey, look, he can also be a running back, so you better pay him a little bit more. That's how those negotiations are going to go. So you know, that's where it starts. Tory Dandy also represents A.J. Brown from Tennessee and D.K. Metcalf, the Seahawks receiver. Those guys are all in the same boat as Debo Samuel this offseason, drafted in 2019, eligible for a lucrative contract extension now. We know that the receiver market is blowing up. We just saw that first $30 million non-quarterback and Tyree Kill. That came right on the heels of Devontae Adams setting a record at $28 million. So, especially for the third out of these guys to sign. So you, you have 
Brown and, and Metcalf. I don't know who's going to go first and who's going to go second, but I think especially the third of those three could expect to go in the, in the upper 20s as far as average per year, given the way that this market is going. I, I don't know if any of these players can make you know the argument that they that they've uh, deserved to get a bigger contract than Tyree Hill because they haven't accomplished as much because they've been in the league a shorter amount of time, right? So Hill at thirty million, I think that teams that are negotiating with these with these players who are entering their fourth years, I think they could say, hey, listen, that this needs to be less than thirty million because these guys haven't been <laughs> they don't have quite that kind of resume, but it, it's still I mean the players have some power here too because of how these contracts are exploding, which is why. I think mid 20s and potentially upper 20s if you don't get in line first because I I do think that the order of these contracts for these three guys Brown Metcalf and Samuel will dictate who gets more money the the third will get more money than the second and the second will get more money than the first all right one more for you on the way out here just a, a prediction for you how many games into the 2022 campaign before we see Mike McDaniels put uh put Tyreek Hill out of the backfield um well i mean we're gonna see him run we're gonna see him run a lot of end rounds and stuff i don't know if he's gonna line him up in the backfield i mean i the thing is mike mcdaniel has raheem mostert too so raheem mostert changes how defenses play when he's healthy because his speed the way he glides to outside in that outside zone is just different he can make nfl defenders look like they're in quicksand which is rare tyree kill was doing the same thing he was changing how defense defenses schematically approached his offense uh in the past game in kansas city so now miami has both of those guys plus some more speed right in jalen waddle and it's going to be a Ferrari-like offense there. The question is, can they protect Tua? And can Tua actually, you know, if all of the other variables are there for him, can he uh, deliver? Uh, because that they will have that speed on the outside, health permitting, both at running back and at receiver. And they've got Chase Edmonds back there too, just on a big deal as well. So, hey, David, thanks so much, man. As we get closer uh, to the start of the season, or the start of preseason, we'll definitely catch up again, man. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Great stuff from David Lombardi, and uh, yeah, that prerequisite that Jimmy Garoppolo has to be moved or cut or traded before they're able to hand out an extension, not true. It could happen uh, still before the start of the season, and Debo Samuel, after seeing that Tyreek Hill contract, probably licking his chops, getting excited about uh, what the future holds as long as he stays healthy. Thank you to David Lombardi. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We are moving closer and closer to the start of baseball season. We are two weeks away from the Giants opening day. But before we talk more Giants baseball, a little A's talk. The A's frustrating their fan base yet again, tearing things down, trading Matt Olson, trading Matt Chapman. They could be trading Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas soon. All stuff we can talk about, as well as the prospects they've received in those trades. Talk about all that stuff with Melissa Lockard on Monday. So A's fans, uh, get ready to lock into the update on Monday. Until then, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. We'll talk to you then. 